0: So hello dear Utopistas. Hi there. We are back. So happy you came back too. Or maybe you are a new listener, then a very special welcome to you. Thanks for tuning in. It's the second season of Radio Utopistan. Yeah, we took a little break, developed some ideas and found some new friends. So Hope you're as excited about the second season as we are. And as always, we love hearing from you. Tell us what kind of stories you like. Maybe even share contacts of inspiring people you know with us. Or just say hi. My name is Elisabeth Weit. I'm a journalist on natural resources and social movements. And since the beginning of this year, I have the pleasure to be in Ecuador now. Doing some research on nature rights super interesting. Did you know that Ecuador is the only country in the world where nature counts as a legal subject? And just recently, about 50 gold mining concessions were withdrawn because of that. Very fascinating and very utopian, I have to say. But we'll talk about that sometime in the future in another episode. It's very disturbing times we are in regarding nature and regarding the human condition. The Russian invasion in Ukraine and also the latest IPPC report on the climate crisis. So more than ever we need constructive stories and solutions for all those huge and interconnected problems we are facing out there. The utopian stories of today revolve around something that I didn't really consider much of a problem until just recently – cement or concrete the material most of the world's buildings are made of but it's an enormous problem on many levels and it's everywhere just look up i bet you see something made out of concrete right now even here in my wooden cabana in the ecuadorian cloud forest there's concrete the foundation of the cabana is built out of it i give you some rainforest sounds in the background to counter this great topic Concrete is the most widely used substance on the planet after water. An essential ingredient in all cities, houses, dams and bridges, basically all our infrastructure. And it obviously works. The Pantheon in Italy was built out of Roman concrete almost 2000 years ago and it's still standing. But concrete is destroying nature big times. 8% of all carbon dioxide in the world comes from producing concrete. That's more than double than those from flying or shipping. You need a lot of energy to produce concrete and you need a lot of sand. So much that we are running out of sand on this planet. There's even a sand mafia stealing sand from the beaches of Jamaica, for example. And the water you need for concrete. And the people driven away from their land to mine concrete. And all the ugly buildings and the deadly walls and borders built out of it. And, 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 but we do focus on solutions and utopias here. We choose this topic because of our utopista, Maria Sturm. She's a wonderful friend, artist, and photographer, and worked on the topic of concrete for almost a year now. The result is part of the International Photo Biennale in Heidelberg now. We hosted an event together and found more and more utopias related to housing and building alternative building materials, alternative living concepts, recycling, and the most utopian, a building moratorium, meaning a pause for building and construction. So no building, no more. Our guest will tell us. It's architect Angelika Hinterbrandner. She is working in the architecture office of Brandelhuber Plus, which is mainly reusing space materials and buildings that are already there. She also writes for an architecture magazine and teaches students in Zürich. She lived in Germany, Switzerland, and Hong Kong. Now she lives in Berlin. Angelika, I'm happy we can talk about this at first sight. Sounds a bit boring, the topic, cement. But as the research showed, and also our cement event, it's quite a very broad topic, and you get into so many stories and problems, and therefore also solutions. So how, how is your connection to, to cement?
1: first of all, I think it's definitely not a boring topic. I would say it's maybe we're just so used to cement and concrete overall, that it's just not an existing topic or like a visible topic, because it's like, you can't see, you can't see it because you see it just so much like, du kannst die Bäume, uh, du kannst den Wald vor Bäume nicht sehen, as you say in German, there's just so much concrete and built mass that you just don't question what you actually see every day in front of your eyes. Um, and my connection to the topic is basically, yeah, through what I do. Um, I studied architecture, I'm a trained architect. So concrete uh, is a topic since, uh, actually, for me, since I'm a little child. Uh, I The first time I experienced concrete on a building site when I was little, when I started to be interested in the built surroundings. And since then, as well through my studies, the topic yeah, c- keep on staying, let's say. And now I'm working as a project manager, a researcher, a teacher at the university, at the ETH, in an office, um, an architectural office that, of course, needs to deal with resources and materials as well. So it's just a, a work topic in a certain sense, I would say but not only from the material perspective, but as well from the perspective of environment and sustainability. Concrete and yeah, cement, as you said, is very much closely connected with um, environmental destruction. Overall, the built environment is like contributing, let's say with 40% to the CO2 emissions overall in the world. So it's just a topic that needs to be on the table for architects it came up way more urgently for me, I would say within the past two to three years um, that I started reflecting on the on the topic, like where do the resources we are working with actually come from? Can we still build with concrete? Is this a solution that kind of like that lets us survive? As human beings on the planet so it might sound very abstract as an architect but in the end it's that is the question we need to think about Mm. when we talk about this topic Mm.
0: and do you remember
1: one concrete
0: haha concrete moment or story or number or figure or meeting with a person or something that really struck you where you really thought oh man this
1: is so huge and we don't even talk about it enough i would say it's the eight percent that cement is kind of like guilty for the CO2 emissions. Because if you imagine that this alone is only one, let's say, industry that is contributing almost, I mean, 10%. I mean, it's eight, not 10, but still, it's an enormous amount. And I think at that moment when I realized, okay, wow, this is a topic that huge media outlets bring into mainstream I think that made me. That was a moment when I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is not only uh, architects are talking about this topic, but it's really something everyone needs to think and talk about. So I think this is, was a very specific moment.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because it's really, it's just, you cannot get away from it. It's almost everywhere you look, you have that, you, you see it, you see concrete. Except you're living in the jungle, maybe, but even there, this cabania I'm recording in now is built on, on cement, the base, the ground. And you, how are you living? I can see some walls and some plants in the background. And is it, is it like a old flat, a new flat? And what kind of a house are you?
1: You can see a very typical Berliner Altbau. So it's, High high spaces with um, yeah a nice ceiling, very bright. Uh, yeah, I'm very lucky to yeah I found this apartment. I think a year you know, two years ago already now. I'm sure, like um, a few weeks before Corona actually hit, I moved in, mm-hmm. um, and it's one of these very very nice old apartments. Uh, so it's not concrete. It's actually brick partly. But yeah, I'm not living in a, a newly constructed house.
0: Mm. So uh, you spend the corona years and so you got to, uh, to know it really very well. What does a m- home mean to you? What what needs to be in a home that it's a home for you? What should it look like? Or what's, what should it be made out
1: of? I think for me, the most important about a home is that I feel sheltered let's say so it's very abstract maybe but yeah for me personally and this is very yeah I think this is very individual how you perceive this um, the bed is maybe the center of a home because it somehow has this feeling of shelter in a most intimate sense for me I would say Um, but besides that I think it's the very classic light air uh, and and space parameters that we yeah that is very maybe modernist aspects one would say in architecture terms so it needs to be like great light uh, you need to have enough space to move around so it's very it's actually very basic but yeah as soon i think this experience maybe you have this in your your cabana now that is it's very basic things that make living good or bad
0: Mm. it's basic things but so many people don't don't really have it what you just said space light and room and this is almost kind of a luxury it's not really connected to concrete or the
1: the material but it's the space that we can occupy in our home right yeah just a more general aspect because the the housing market is of course, a topic for myself as well as an architect, this, what you just mentioned, the topic of space and how much space we can actually afford is a super important one as well. When we talk, I mean, as well, considering how much do we build? How much do we need to add to the existing building stock? How much resources can we give into this? Because what you can see at the moment is through the pressure on the housing market, there are this kind of like two argumentation lines. Let's say some people say we need to restrict the prices and the other people say, let's build more, 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 more really quickly so that we can have people moving in as quickly as possible so that the market relaxes. And with this build more, build more, build more, there's, of course, this high resource outlet kind of like connected because we need to have, you know, like if you want to build quickly, Most probably you will do it in concrete because it's just the simplest way, let's say, how to build up housing at the moment. And at the same time, you need to say that the pressure on the people is, of course, really high. So if you would like to argue that we don't want to build, what do we do then? Because what you can see as well at the moment is that there are more and more and more people that cannot afford housing or space are living on less and less room, or like, you know, like square meter Mm. space Mm. in that sense. So we have this form of overpopulation, again, with people that are poor, what is actually horrible. Mm. So I think this discussion that you're opening up with the topic of resources as well, or like needs to be linked back to larger socio economic topics, let's say, because it's, of course, not only what material and what resources do we use, but what kind of like additional parameters do we need to think about when we take these decisions?
0: Yeah, we want to talk mostly about solutions, but let's summarize the problems. You already mentioned the the carbon dioxide, the emissions, which is almost 10% of all emissions in the world, which is as much as all aviation, which is really a lot. Then of course all the resources that come with building, like when you build a house, you don't own, you need more than concrete. You also need other things, of course, and the space and the stuff that you are sealing. What other problems? Just to have them in mind when we then jump into talking about the
1: solutions. I mean, I've, one addition I have to the topic of what other material do you need is of course that the material that is used is or like mostly new material. So the idea of circularity is not yet really implemented in architecture. So what a lot of new practices or or some new practices are currently thinking about how can we be circular in architecture? So how do we reuse material? For example, yeah, when you when you unbuild things, how do we establish practices that can actually do this? Because there need there yeah, there needs to be set up a certain new set of rules that can enable us to to do that actually. Because there is like when you look at the um Baurecht or Bauregulierungen, like the Like the, Germany, rules,
0: the rules. XIA, the regulations,
1: yeah, the laws. Yeah. They are they are not made for building back, let's say, what is already there, but rather yeah, it, it's easier to just demolish everything and then start from a new... It's on one hand easier from the legal set of aspects that I just explained. And on the other hand, it's just more profitable. Mm-hmm. So it's I think it's not only this material aspects that you mentioned, but like the economics behind how we build and what we build and how much resources we use is connected with... Of course, a lot of economic dynamics and as well topics like um, the property and ground we're building on. That is Mm -hmm. like a large issue as well in architecture because the earth is limited as well when it comes to the ground. So we only have a certain amount of ground we can actually build on. So, of course, the prices are going up. It's it's Mm -hmm. a set of uh, parameters that are adding complexity to the topic here.
0: Okay, so to summarize, so we have the, the resources that we need. So many resources, not just concrete. We also have water and sand. We are running out of sand. This was something new to me.
1: Yeah, the sand topic is actually really interesting. So if you want to read into that, I can only recommend uh, the research of uh, Kiran Pereira. She looked into this topic of like what actually happens when when we need concrete. So where do we get the sand from? What does this actually mean? There is a lot of research on that. And it's really a global industry that takes the sand from all over the the world. And it shows as well the global complexities of the topic. So what are we actually aware of what we are doing when we are building, so like for whom are we building and whom are we hurting with this resource extraction? So this is a topic that is to be considered, of course, as well
0: okay, then let's please jump into the solutions and not ask about who we are hurting, but who could we support or serve with building or with reusing like we mentioned all the problems now, what for you could be the 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 easiest solution or the quickest solution, the the one with the biggest impact?
1: I mean, this is a super hard question. I think I personally, in general, think mm-hmm. there is not the one solution. I think if you have that in mind, you're already on the wrong path. Mm. The only thing we can do is really fight on all ends, let's say so to everyone that is listening, if Mm. you have a topic and the will to do something, I think you definitely can do something. Mm. So before that, you asked for whom are we actually doing this? Mm. And I think this is as well a a very important question to be considered when we're trying to find the answer, because it's you're not doing that for yourself. Or, yeah, we, of course, do that for ourselves as well. But I think we really doing this for our species and in overall the whole earth this yeah this might sound abstract and maybe a bit romantic let's say but i think it makes sense to really think in this big terms because if you look at the the current ipcc i mean the formulations alone are so shocking mm-hmm. and that not everyone is freaking out is really i'm sometimes i'm really i can't believe why there aren't more people doing something so I think to really frame it in the sense of we're doing it for all of us helps to get started. Mm-hmm. And then I really like to look at this maybe more specific, small things that are already, already happening. And then maybe, yeah, you when when you started talking or like at the intro part, you said you discovered some clay buildings in uh, where you just are. Yeah. so. If you're interested in clay, you could maybe mention Anna Heringer, that is an architect as well, and she is doing fantastic work in pushing the agency of clay. So how do we actually build with this material? Where can we use it? How can we be aware, because this is such a, it's a natural material. It's existing all over the world. It's very easy to be used. So you can implement it in your building. It's very reusable. That's easy to do. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is one tiny example for a solution that is implemented already at a lot of different spaces. And then, you know, I could give you like 10 other examples of fantastic human beings that are already implementing the change. But this is only one way to tackle the problem on a certain scale. So and to make just clear what I want to say, maybe a second um, project that is fighting, but in a very different way. We ourselves as the Office B+, together with Charlotte Maltaire Bard, um, started a a panel under the framework um, Stop Building, where we decided last year to discuss on in four different panel sets, like with different people, how the world would look like if we would simply stop building for a certain amount of time. So there was this open letter of Bruno Latour when the Corona crisis started, where he argued that there was a moment of stop and rethinking So we thought this could actually be a great idea to be implemented as well for the building sector. Like you stop and you think, what are we actually doing to redo things correctly or better, like to just change what we're currently doing. And I think with like doing this or like putting these panels up and making this a point of discussion, we inspired quite some people to dig deeper into the topic. So it's like that's another very small project, let's say, that we started to just make it a topic to enable others to have access to the knowledge, to see experts that are making this a topic and to co-develop with us together ideas how, how solutions could actually look like. So I think as well this activist aspect that, see, that you can see as well with Architects for Futures or Fridays for Futures going to the street and being visible, like sharing knowledge you know just giving mm. the topic a platform is as well a way to change how we mm. are building and what mm. resources we're using
0: mm. like how you started like to put the idea into the minds like where is this all coming from and how is that connected and and to to tackle those beliefs that sand is just everywhere and we don't we we never will have a lack of sand but no it's not and it's resources and this planet has a Uh, it's finite we cannot just use and use and use and then talking about something that sounds very utopian yet just like stop building for i don't know even a week imagine stop any building in on this planet for just one week sounds very utopian but when you put that thought into people's mind maybe they they see the that there is that there is a lack yeah
1: i mean i think it was disturbing first of all so people were like huh how could you how could you suggest this in a housing crisis i mean you cannot do this and of course this is part of the reality as i explained before this could create pressure as well but as a thinking experiment it was a good way as well to think about what what does this mean actually for example for the western world this is doable because we have so much existing building stock the infrastructure is there but if you think about other countries that don't have the existing infrastructure this this would never work like and then you can see as well this new neo-colonial structures that a lot of countries they need to build and they need to be able to at least get a certain standard as well and then you you know you add a level of complexity but only because you made it a topic you could come to the conclusion uh, i mean now, thinking about it, you can come to the conclusion as well, but it's, of course, more obvious when, when you push this maybe even populist claim of we need to stop all over the world, blah, blah, blah.
0: Did you already see some change, maybe? Maybe first in the discussions, but maybe even in, in law systems or in new projects, buildings in the cities
1: in, in Germany or in other countries? I mean, I think the change is coming from from the young people. Uh, I don't want to shift all the responsibility to the next generation because I think this is wrong. We really need to start implementing change now. But the next generation that this Fridays for Futures generation really makes a difference as well at universities because they ask for knowledge to be taught, let's say. So this is where I can see that there people are pushing already. Um from a legal perspective I would say yes I can see change or like I at least see a certain will to think about the topics we mentioned. Um I very recently had a short interview with Clara Geivitz, our new Bauministerin in Germany, so our like minister for, for the built environment, let's say. And she is she is aware that the environment needs to be a topic when we are talking about building anew. So in the sense of we need to build differently. And you can see this as well in the coalition agreement that there are a lot of aspects mentioned that tackle the environment. I I formulate this very softly because, of course, it's not clear what they're going to do with these ideas that they formulated there. So ideally, we will have policy that is implementing or like tries to make things better, but it's not sure yet how far these implementations will go. And with a number of 400,000 new apartments built every year, what is enormous to say, it's of course unclear in what way will these apartments be built. So I'm very ambiguous, let's say, what we're going to see on a policy level. So I can tell, but I, of course, help for the best. And I, yeah, maybe a shout out here for Architects for Future because they handed in a huge policy proposal, let's say, where they made a lot of, or like they put a lot of ideas in written form to be handed over to politics. So this is already a huge step that an organization like Architecture for Future were invited to show these rules that they mm. thought of.
0: Yeah, and again you you mentioned the mindset and I also think that it's very important to to start there because from there we make all the different decisions we as individuals but also the people that are really in power and can have an impact on the on the structure and Last year I spent some time in the Mexican Caribbean in the Playa del Cam, which is quite a, a touristy place and there they are just building 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 hotels and streets and restaurants and just it's supposed to be a beautiful place in the middle of nature in the jungle but it's just Construction site after construction site and huge, huge houses where they have just portals, a hundred meter a portal, which is nothing more than just a portal with the name of the hotel written on it. And it's, I don't know how many tons of concrete this is. And that—that that is also this mindset that you have to put yourself in there with a huge building, to like I don't know the ancient kings maybe did or the pyramids or something. This mm-hmm. this this human condition of I want to leave my legacy in a building, a huge building. Also in Germany we have this huge building that also eat up a lot of money, not just resources but also money. Isn't that kind of the part of the human condition that is very hard to change that we just want to leave our leave
1: our mark it might be, but it was not always like that, so I really believe i mean this is maybe a cultural mindset that we have still from this an- ancient times, but we are not building pyramids anymore, so you know like forms we built changed. So I really believe in the ability of the human being to change this kind of like cultural, let's say, baselines we're understanding ourselves in. And as as well with the digital realm emerging, we see so many things shifting and changing on such a enormous speed that I really think we should or we are, I really believe in the ability to change of human beings. We should just think of a an attractive alternative. I think what you said at the very beginning that this is a, a thinking or like an idea of what is actually in our mind, how we imagine ourselves, this is something that needs to be rewritten and rethought. Like how do we met ma- like we need a very, you know, like, a so attractive vision of who could we be in this new world where things are like better in a sense of that we don't destroy the planet, that it is a reachable goal or ideal for everyone that so everyone is willing to work on the vision. But this is, yeah, maybe this is as well the problem of the complexity of this topic, that there are just so many levels that you kind of like would need to integrate, that it is just hard to to have one vision, so I think this is a general maybe a socio-political mm, impression and you, you'd you rather or better ask a sociologist but um, of course this right-wing populist ideas are always easier to believe in because they are simple and plain but the world is not simple and plain it's super complex especially if you want to transform or change something
0: yeah it's super complex of course and you said there's not this one solution like for no problem there's this one solution and there are those different levels and aspects and angles so let's just also for the listeners and for me to understand better what levels do we have I mean I did some reading before and thought maybe you can um, organize and structure it with we have different building materials that we do not have to use so much concrete anymore like you said clay you can see it here in Ecuador they are really building just walls with clay a lot of walls and also some housing or wood or whatever other other stuff but then people say yeah but we cannot really build the high houses with those things we need concrete or bridges or things like that we cannot we cannot get rid of concrete if we change it or what would you say how can we use those materials
1: on a better way So reuse, as I mentioned before, I think is a huge topic. There is as well research into how can you reuse concrete. And in general, I mean, I think to ban concrete entirely is maybe as well the wrong approach. Because in some or like at certain moments, if you know that some things should last for a very long time, concrete might even be the most sustainable Material in the sense of if it is going to stay there for 100 years. For example, the foundation of your house. It's only a plain foundation, so you can properly build. So whatever you build on top, it will be stable because the foundation is there for the next 50 years. And then you can redo and like, you know, take away the walls and redo the walls if you want to do them differently. So they are built in, I don't know, wooden, lightweight construction. But the foundation that is there that will be used forever can be in concrete. So it's as well about deciding or more consciously thinking about, What do we need to last for a very long time? And what is to be used only temporarily or like only for a short period of time? So this is, I think, one aspect to decide more smartly on this temporal aspect. And then what do we do with the existing material? So there is a huge stock that is already existing. So how do we smartly reuse it, rebuild it, undo it, take care of it? So these kind of like jobs of as well. Taking care and maintaining is a, a huge part of the story. Buildings are just under maintained, let's say. So if you don't take care, if you don't live in a space, it's very likely that the quality will just yeah lose quality over time, the building. So it's the materials, the building stock that is already existing, then being smart about what do we need for how how much over time, then implementing circularities in the sense of if I'm implementing a window somewhere, how do I how do I do this in a way so that I can technically unbuild it again or repair it?
0: You're also teaching what's the new generation pushing? What kind of world
1: do they want to build? Oh, that's uh, that's actually a really hard question because there is still a lot of different people at architecture schools. I mean, there are maybe at the moment, there are more people that say, how can I be an architect and not build than they were ever before? This is quite interesting. What do you do with these people in an architecture school? How do you teach these kind of practices? So this is actually a question I think about a lot at the moment. How do we actually understand our job in the sense of, can we be maybe a maintenance architect? So like, can I be an expert in repairing a building? And Mm -hmm. is this still understood as an architect and how in the next step, how would we teach this? Mm -hmm. So and I think the young generation is really asking for it. But of course, they cannot formulate it either because there are no role models. Mm -hmm. So it's really about trying to find people that are already doing these kind of things, maybe without even calling them architects. And trying to implement, slowly implement that as well in schools so that people see how a variety of different practices could look like. But there, of course, and of course, examples of offices that are um, having like certain... Or like, even a second part of an office that is only doing this now, like, uh, Baubüro in situ, for example, that is a Swiss office, um, have, uh, a second office, uh, that is called circular that is only dealing with, reusing materials and implementing, uh, for example, yeah, already used materials in, in new projects. So you already see this kind of things that there are alternative practices. So now it's really to bring these examples in the curriculums and show how is it done? How can we learn from that? How can this be implemented really in the mainstream? And I think, yeah, this is where where it is difficult at the moment to really bring this thinking and the understanding of architects to the point where the practice understands itself on a broader level, Mm -hmm. away from only I'm the person that builds a museum on the green field, rather into the direction of, "Okay, we are the people taking care of the built stock, at least here in the Western European uh, area, because this is what we are confronted with. There is so much built stock. So what do we do with it?
0: We asked like one of the biggest concrete producers in the world, Heidelberg Cement, because also we had this uh, cement event in Heidelberg, on what kind of solutions they are working because they are producing this problem, obviously. And they sent us a link to their website. And what I found most interesting there was wait that they are working on a plant with this method of carbon capture and storage, and it's, it's they want to build it in Norway, or they are about to build it already. The plan is to reduce uh, carbon dioxide by half of what they normally produce. Do you think there is any... Is that something
1: promising, or is that greenwashing? What do you think? I mean, if you look into the scientific discourse around this topic because there are quite some people that think it's promising and that we need to actually implement these techniques to be able to get any hand on the co2 emissions um there are quite some people that are believing in it to uh, to, to be very honest i have not enough scientific knowledge to say if this is a reasonable thing or not i mean it shows a bit how desperate I think the cement uh, factories uh, and companies are. For me, it's not tackling the core question we need to ask, actually. So they are, of course, trying to be more sustainable because it's their business what they are losing at the moment. And this is as well why I'm not, yeah, maybe not so informed on that topic, I would say, because I think it's lacking the... It's, it's away from the core question that we need to ask. And the core question is, do we still need so much concrete? So it's, the, of course, they say this is the solution. And I mean, if they find a way to reduce the CO2, I think it's a great thing. But it's, yeah again, not the only solution. And we really need to be more radical when it comes to how much we build and how much cement we use. Mm.
0: So you'd say it's a bit like blind eyed or one eye that you, because it's a very complex problem and there are many levels of solutions. And if you just focus on producing less carbon with concrete, you are missing out on all the other possible
1: solutions that there are. I mean, for them as a company, I think it's, it makes perfect sense. What they do is very reasonable. And in an economic sense, I mean, the right thing you can do. I, I was when we worked on the last studio in Maria, we were at a concrete factory uh, of Holzim, That is a huge Swiss uh, cement uh, factory. And they kind of like presented, of course, as well, plans how they will be more sustainable. I mean, I think it's great that they feel the pressure like from that sense, I think it makes a lot of sense that they are like proposing this more sustainable uh, ways of, of factoring, but still, it's not, the, it's not what we should do as a society. That's not the end of the story, let's say. It's great that they started it. It's better that way than not doing anything as a company. But still, yeah. they, we need to push them harder, I would say.
0: So let's jump in our three utopian questions then, please, talking about the future. So, like, in in one sentence, summarizing all the solutions and utopias we were talking about now, what's your utopia on the topic of concrete?
1: I think our concrete utopia in the future will be that we are not using concrete anymore as a material, but that we use what we have already and that we take care and maintain the concrete structures that will be there for and with us for a very long time still. So I really believe in the idea of taking care of things and maintaining what we have in the best way possible, because this is the resources we already built and that we need to take care of.
0: Mm. And what kind of people, stories, ideas, projects, facts, like evidence do you have that we are kind of moving into
1: that direction? I mean, there are more and more people that are talking about not building or like how to uh, stop building or rethink what we do.
0: Yeah, I mean, you're also a storyteller. Do you have a a story from reality, a, a story that already is true, that
1: gives you hope that we are moving into this direction? What Architects for Future is doing, like bringing together the people, connecting them and showing that there are more people that are willing to change. I think this is super strong because, you you know, like you can feel the energy, you can feel that there is someone else that is helping you with this thing. So it's maybe coming back and connected to the the thing that I said at the very beginning, feeling this self-efficacy of being able to transform something that is efficient in a sense on a larger scale is something that drives me as well so you know like it's the small things that you get maybe now and someone says thank you for saying this this was really inspiring so i really want to push this for the next if even if it's only two or three weeks or a month you know like you can see that it helps when there are other people doing the same. So uh, it's not only Architects for Future, but it's as well other um, organizations like Countdown uh, 2030 in Basel, for example, and many more initiatives that are working on this topic as well on a a global level and in other countries. And then it's maybe that's that's a very personal one. But uh, Charlotte Molterbart that is working with us on the moratorium. As a person, she is very inspiring and, and pushing this topic as well on, on resource ex- extraction. Why is she so inspiring? Me, why, 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 why? Because she find- is a very strong woman mm-hmm. <laughs> and she, I think she is a role model for a lot of young women to to feel empowered to do the same, like to fight for these topics. And she makes knowledge accessible. So this is a very personal one, but I, yeah, I think um, finding someone that inspires you to, you know, be, be resistant and fight for these topics, uh, that's great. So I can only recommend Charlotte.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, shout out to Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> and um, what can people do in their daily life? to help your utopia become reality I mean of course it's a structural problem but we are the structure we are making the structure with all our daily little actions and especially when we are part of democracy we are influencing the structure so what can people do in their daily life to um, contribute to the solutions of concrete and not of the problem to concrete
1: I would really say, and this is maybe a very general solution to overall environmental topics, not on the on the concrete level now, but engage in initiatives and fight on the street because this really creates pressure. I mean, you can see this in Berlin with uh, Davy and Eignen, like this huge initiative uh, that fought for fair ho- or like housing communalization in Berlin. So like DV uh, is a huge, Deutsche Wohnen is a huge uh, housing company in Berlin, and they kind of like created the initiative to fight for fair housing. And the same is true for Architect for Future again. So it's like being organized in larger groups. Is what you should do as an individual because then you can, you know, it's not about not using this one little tiny plastic bag. That's a thing that you can do and that you should do, of course, but this is not going to change the entire system. But pressure on a larger level will change the system. So I can only say to everyone if you have the resources, if you have the time, and I know. Not everyone has the resources and time to do this. But if you have the time and the resources, engage.
0: Yeah. What would be your private housing utopia for you yourself, if you want to share? How would you love to live if money is space, whatever people, whatever you would dream of?
1: If I would not have any restrictions, I would still live in a huge house, like in one house that is housing a lot of people. I would live in the city It would be very bright and light. Um, I would live in a space that connects work and private life. I I really like this, you know, like going downstairs, have a space where you work with someone else that is open, that invites as well people that are like not from my house, but come to the house to work there. Um, And then these kind of like idea of having a core where you meet to cook for example and then you have more private spaces like a room with your bed that is very private that would do the job for me so i could very much imagine very well to live with a huge group of friends or people uh, have a certain intimacy and privacy in one space like that is only mine but share all the communi- communal spaces that I have a need, especially for a commuter, let's say like I am, that is kind of like traveling every second week and like in a, my, my, my second life is a train life. Uh, so I'm working in the train very often. So really having a small room with a bed would do the job. Uh, and besides that I'm usually, or like my, you know, like our work time that is so much part of the day can be and is to be shared with others and that's actually nice so why don't we create space that is more more designed around this
0: sounds beautiful and maybe in five years i can visit
1: you there (laughs) (laughs) or (laughs) 10 rather 10 i would say
0: (laughs) okay (laughs) i bring some chocolate perfect (laughs) How inspiring is her private utopia, don't you think? I could totally imagine something similar as my dream house. And actually, I had the pleasure of living in something like this already. Once in a student house in Münster, Germany, almost 20 years ago though. That was a house with 50 people living in it. Half women, half men, Half from Germany, half from other countries. Our rooms had just 8 or 15 square meters, so not much. And 12 people were sharing one kitchen. There was a bar in the cellar and a dark room for photos. I spent more time in that house than in university. And I learned so much more in that house than in university. There was also an Ukrainian musician living in this house, Slava. The drummer. I have to think about him a lot these days. He once gave me his first poem he had written in German. I still remember its title. It was called Meine Traurigkeit, My Sadness. Hope he's okay. Hope the destruction of lives, homes, and buildings in his country will end soon. Housing is so much more than buildings and materials and concrete. It's all the stories and people that lived there before us and that are living there with us now. But the material our homes are made of are super important too, of course, as Angelika just showed us today. And I got the impression that there are many, many solutions out there and many, many smart people working on them. The ideas and examples she showed us are a response to the problem around cement. We will give you a collection of all the ideas and projects and examples in the show notes and in our Instagram. And as always, there still needs a lot to be done. All ideas still have their limitations to solve the problem entirely, of course. And what do you think? What do you find most promising? What would your dream city, village, or house look like? Are you doing something already to make this utopia come true? What? Write to us, we want to know, and spread some more inspiration and utopias. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. We love hearing from you, really. If it inspired you, leave a review on Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends, family, and flatmates. And if you like, so far we are all working for free for Radio YouTube Stand. And so we are really happy if you want to support us by sharing the stories or also giving a little donation. Just check out our website. It's super easy. Also via PayPal or Patreon. Thank you. My name is Elisabeth White. Radio YouTube team for this episode are editor and executive producer Charlotte Horn and Christina Femurbus, music, Robert I leave you with the living forest, an area called Sarayaku in the Ecuadorian Amazon, where humans, animals, plants and spirits live together with almost no concrete. More about this in one of the next
1: episodes. Bye-bye.